Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Yet again, we find ourselves in this bizarre time of 2020 where it seems like every week something else goes wrong. And um, yeah, again, times are just kind of weird and crazy and pretty difficult, honestly. So I hope everyone's doing okay. I know it's been a roller coaster for me personally. Um, obviously want to address all of the racial injustice going on and the protests against police brutality, which is actually the main subject of conversation in this episode. Uh, and I think it is a great way to contribute to the conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy it and find something valuable in it. Uh, my guest today is the great Marisa Ciccione. She is my best fucking friend from high school. So we go way back. She is a geneticist in Boston. So she's a smarty pants and a great gal. We had a great conversation and I'm really happy that I had her on the show. We'll definitely be having her again. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy. Um, My other side note is unfortunately the audio in this episode is not the best because we did it over Zoom because Marisa... God, she lives in Boston, so so rude. She couldn't be here in LA. Ugh, unbelievable, but it's fine. We dealt with it. So, anyways, next time we'll get her here in person. But for now, please enjoy. I'll catch you later. Enjoy the episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I'm Bell Solanot, and you're listening to 100% BS. What's up? Are we recording? Yes, we're, I'm just, we're going. We're just going to go for it. All right. Hello. Yeah, I didn't want to even talk about anything with you because I was like, no, we need to save it for this because we always have great discussions before we like would go on and yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, how are, how are you personally holding up right now? Good. I'm like, what, a week or two weeks into not having social media? That's crazy. Oh, really? You've deleted Instagram for that long? Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe it's not been a full week. Maybe like a week and a half. But the reason I deleted Facebook was because the Barrington Moms COVID page. I was getting so sick of the announcements from that Facebook group. I, I, was, I deleted that one first. That one I deleted two weeks ago for sure. It was definitely at least two weeks ago. I was so sick of it. Were they all just <laughs> freaking out about it all the time? It's all these moms it's i i know it's overused at this point but karen's being like i see who i see your son out there at the basketball court and he was within six feet of that kid he wasn't wearing his mask properly he touched his mask did you see that person touching it just ridiculous and the other people are like why are people driving with their masks on it's just yeah so, oh my like God. people who go for a run with a mask on like literally what are you doing that makes no sense I have seen so many people suffocating as they try to exercise outside. I'm like, what are you doing? I, if I go on a run, I just put it in my pocket and run with it in case I need to go near someone. And I live in a city, so I'm near people a lot, but I still can stay six feet away. I just run in the middle of the road or run on the other side of the sidewalk and haven't had an issue yet where anyone's been like, oh, this girl's not wearing her mask. Yeah. Well, also Um, just the way that things spread anyway being outside it's so much less likely that it's going to spread to you so it's it's weird because people and then it's kind of reinforced by the government having these weird rules that you have to wear a mask if you're outside which right. is just not how it works like it's just not how things happen and it, then it discourages people from going outside which is worse for you and if you wear a mask when you're outside you're not breathing fresh air yeah. it's just very weirdly misled 
Yeah, I I hope that ends soon. I don't think they should be making laws about it. I mean, if you want to make a rule that you can't come into my business unless you're wearing a mask, I think that's completely fine. Yeah. You can't go on the tee without wearing a mask. That's like a really packed in area. I think it's good because it's preventing the dumb people who don't know how to cover their mouth from sneezing on everyone. It's just it's those same dumb people that pull it below their nose anyway. Like these people aren't wearing them properly. Um, but I think it's like a cover, cover your bases, cover your idiots rule with the mask thing. I'm pretty sure they know at this point that it's not doing much, but I think they're just doing it because they're like, well, we know those people that don't cover their mouth when they sneeze that are having COVID and probably know they have symptoms and then going out in the public and just being dumb and sneezing on the produce at stop and shop. So we're going to make them wear a mask. And for that reason, like my family's business, I want everyone in there wearing a mask. I don't want some idiot coming to the counter and sneezing on my mom. (laughs) So I don't mind it in that setting, but in terms of being outside, as long as you're not in like a crowded area, I don't see the purpose at all. I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, dude, coronavirus is basically over. <laughs> like we're having thousands of people out. Like it's people are over it. It's weird. It's like like two weeks ago, people would be freaking out if anyone was outside of their house, like hang out with their friends. And now with all these protests, like it's fucking over, dude. And like it's weird because I wonder if they're gonna try to claim that there was a spike due to the people protesting, or if maybe people being out and not being so busy being fearful will make less people have it actually like just not thinking about it all the time because before everyone was so focused on it was the only thing the news was talking about so that was it was just too much fear to even comprehend anything else going on and now you're distracted so you're not worried about getting sick yeah and i saw a meme or something maybe you sent it to me that was like oh if there's not a spike in two weeks i'm going outside like i'm going to party (laughs) because it's true there's so many people thousands of people packed together. Um, and I mean, a lot of people are wearing masks. A lot of people are standing far apart, but some of those pictures are not far apart. Yeah. And so if there isn't a spike, I mean, sure. yeah, the coronavirus conspiracy, yeah. I'm going to be reading up on those. Yeah. I mean, this movement, I think supposedly this is the biggest civil rights movement in history, someone said, because it was all 50 states had protests, some kind of demonstration, and then like 18 countries outside the U.S., it's crazy. That's I can't insane. believe that it was a global thing. I think that's awesome. That's yeah. great. And that's the part of social media, the good sides of it, the amplifying and like getting so many people on board. Everyone loves the like team mentality. And so it really helps people get out there. If they're like, oh, we see this example, we're going to go do it. And, you know, we have people have our backs with it. Yeah. It's been insane. I mean, this 2020 in itself so far has shown us so many new things and how we deal with it in this like modern society. But even the last two weeks specifically with this movement and protest against police brutality has showed us so much about social media, about what's going on with politics right now, even deeper how our generation is like reacts to these events and one thing in particular is at least with the social media and I remember telling you all about this and at the beginning people are very quick to just react and and start posting things without stopping for a second to think about what's going on which obviously this is a good cause and like it's not really 
a controversial thing to want and racism. Like that's not really what I'm talking about. It's more everyone really quickly being like, you have to post, you have to post. If you don't post, like you're part of the problem. And like this over amplification of this is the end of the world right now, when now it's like a week later and people are realizing, you know, if you said things like unfollow me, if you think this thing, people are like, okay, that's not the way to do this. Right. So everyone reacted super quickly to this problem of police brutality without like thinking through how do we actually solve it? It was all about just like share it, share it, share it. And now we're like, Oh, okay, well we can do this thing. And now there's the defund the police movement. That whole thing has just been fascinating to me of seeing how people respond to these like huge crises that everything seems so existential. Like this is going to be the thing that defines us now. But then like three weeks later, something else happens and we like shift our focus. Yeah. It's crazy how quickly we went from coronavirus to this and just all these other things that happened in the background that we didn't hear about because the media just completely focuses on these high passion, you know, high emotion topics. And I mean, for good reason, you know, coronavirus, you can argue that they did too much and they instilled a lot of fear, but at the same time, it was good getting the message out. Okay. There's this new threat that we need to focus on. And now with, um, all of the George Floyd things going on. I mean, it's good. It's amplifying this message, but it also, the media is known to do it using like a scare tap tactic. And so it puts all our focus and all our energy into this one topic. And I mean, we talked about SpaceX, their launch, but like these like little things happen or, uh, you, you know, the rest of the world, what's going on in the rest of the world. We haven't really focused on global yeah. issues. Apparently, yeah. These things that are, probably really horrific or really interesting they're just getting glazed right over because we're all focused hyper focused on one topic at a time yeah and it's weird because it seems the media tends to focus on mainly negative things or things that are just kind of based in fear and like for coronavirus and covid for sure that was the case and now with these protests everyone is talking about how they've been focusing more on looting and rioting and that's actually a much smaller percentage of what's going on. But again, it's, I am wondering if, are they really just, it's almost like we are, we get high off of fear. We want to watch the negative things on the news, right? Because maybe if they were only focusing on positive things, no one would watch the news. So it's like, you kind of blame the news networks for doing it, but we're also the ones that are turning it on and are tuning in whenever it's this big news story. That's like, the end of the world. So I don't really know who's to blame for that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a consumer driven media, you know, they're, they're giving us what we want in theory. And it's, it's just scary to see what we want. We want bad news. We're not as uh, drawn to the positive news. You know, we are for a day and then, okay, what else do I need to worry about? Right. Fight or flight? Like what's going on? What else, what other threats are out there? What other issues need to be solved? Yeah. What else can we get angry about? Exactly. Yeah. During think, apparently, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, I think because we, we like having team mentalities and it's, it's easier to split and have those team mentalities when there's a bad issue going on. And when there's a good issue, it's like, Oh, everyone's just happy. That's it. End of story versus yeah. the other, when it's something bad going on, you can break it apart and people love politicizing things, especially that's something we've seen in 2020 is that everything gets yes. political. So, exactly. Um, that to the media is is just fuel because then you've got you know now fox and cnn have something to fight about people are going to be entertained people are going to take sides 
And that definitely influences us, even if we don't listen or follow either of those networks. Yeah. I found this really interesting. Apparently, so there's this guy on Instagram. Uh, his name is, I don't know if this is real name, but he goes by Anomaly and his Instagram handle is Dream Rare. I've probably sent you his stuff. He's really interesting. I, I like him a lot because he's he has that vibe where he's a super compassionate, like chill dude, but he always has super alternative perspectives and he'll essentially analyze the news from a very... Um, not necessarily unbiased, but like he'll criticize both sides kind of thing, which is cool. But he showed that according to Google Trends, the last time that Black Lives Matter had the same level of spike that it is now is in 2016 before the election, which is so interesting because it makes you question either, okay, do people, is it just the people that really care right before the elections? And, you know, they think, the election is often associated with a big change in the country, or is it possible if you want to be more skeptical and kind of pessimistic, like is someone pulling strings before an election to push a political agenda? And that is a big part that I think people will maybe like get upset if you say that suggesting that, you know, racism is not, it's not supposed to be like a left versus right issue. It's a human rights issue, but you still have to address that like right now, all these organizations have gotten millions and millions of dollars raised because of this Black Lives Matter movement and just the police brutality movement in general, which for sure, for some of them, I think it's great because they'll put that money into getting better resources for communities that need it, for helping you know promote equality, all of that. But there's probably some organizations that are going to take advantage of your money and use it to push a certain political agenda. And that's the weird part that I think about. And if you look at it simply, it's like, oh, well, if it's a good political agenda, they should push it, right? Like if it's for ending police brutality, for ending racism, like that's a good political agenda. Why does it matter? But I feel like we have to take a step back and realize not all these organizations, even if they're like, we're a liberal Democrat and we want to help and racism, we want to give more opportunity to black people. Like that sounds really nice, but we don't know if they're just using that for votes, right? And right, yeah. What's the game plan here? Not just, okay, we're gonna put this person in office because they say they're gonna do this, um, or they they represent this thing that we want, but like what what are the actual act what's the actionability of that? Like, where's your money going specifically? Would it be better off just going straight to the some type of shelter, maybe like um African-American female shelter, like women's shelter, something like that? Or is it better to go to these these funds that go to political, yeah, political organizations? Then where's where's your money really going? It's interesting. I've gotten sucked into definitely uh some fundraisers that I'm like, what did I just what did I just donate to? <laughs> yeah. I'll get the emails afterwards and they want me to donate to other things. And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> what did I just, what did I just throw money at? And I think that sometimes sticking local with certain things, I mean, I understand like raising money for the families of the victims and um, things of that nature, direct causes. I think Black Lives Matter movement, like that's, you're gonna, that foundation or whatever the organization that raises the money is called, like putting the money towards that, like, okay, that's probably okay. But then some of these, I like there's some petitions that you can pay for or like put more money towards. And I got sucked into one of those and I was like, what did what did I just put money in? 
Yeah. So, yeah. It all seems like it's for a good cause, right? Like we should all agree that funding equality and just funding these organizations that want to make the U.S. a better place for everyone, and specifically for Black people who have been disadvantaged, etc., that that's a good thing. But then I think Sean King pointed this out, and he's been a really big kind of leader, mainly on social media, throughout this time in the past two weeks. But he pointed out that all of the states with the worst police brutality are Democrat-run. I saw that too. I was wondering if that was fake, but I saw that because I was like, that yeah. is... No, crazy. it's real. Other people have pointed that out in the past. But I think yeah. people were afraid to say it. Yeah, because that goes against everything that the raising money or get out there and vote. Like, okay, of course, we should all be getting out there and vote, but you also should know who you're voting for and do your research and, and vote in your local elections. That's also important. Um, but at the same time, I think that's interesting because... I would assume that putting a Democrat in a position, a political position of power would just based on what those, uh, what Democrats usually say they will change. A lot of it is, you know, they're trying to improve, improve the racial inequality. And why is it that in those states, those very states that are run by people that, you know, say that message, nothing's happening or the worst, the worst situations are happening. Yeah. To be fair, we're in Trump's America. So maybe, People like to put the blame on him as like a trickle down, but I think it's, I think the local issue is more important. Exactly. Yeah. And that's even more so with this upcoming election of everyone viewing it as, you know, everyone needs to vote, like whoever the president is, is going to change the course of this, the course of the country's history. And it's like, yes, whoever whoever the president is very important. Like, I don't think Trump has handled this that well, in my opinion. And like he's his public view, public view has definitely changed significantly. Even people who were like on the fence and were like, okay, I like some of these policies that he does, but I don't really like this. You know, now we view this election as we need to get him out, right? But I don't think right. people are realizing these systems that are basically the systemic racism and these problems we're having were in place before Trump was president. Like, Police brutality you know, that was happening during Obama's administration. Yeah. Like, it's not that simple. No, it's not. And I think that especially with this upcoming election, you're you're seeing two characters that are just so not or unfit for the position in terms of their, I don't know, just their ability to figure out what's going on in the world right now. I don't think either one's capable of saying the right things because clearly already neither of them are they're both saying really dumb things especially about this issue and you see it both both sides are so bad and I actually I was I was like writing about this earlier because I was kind of thinking about this is ageist sorry uh ageist remark about to come out of my mouth but I don't think old people should be able to be president like when you're that old because and here's here's where I'm going with this is Yes, I think you need to have experience and you need to have seen a lot of things. However, if we're looking for a president that is so-called woke, they need to also have had experiences where they are comfortable around people that are different than them. And so you've got Biden with his golden leg hair situation. Great. Okay, that's your experience. Trump, I don't want to know what his, like, I don't want to know what his excuse for experiences are in these situations. But it's one of those things like, 
you should always teach your elders how to not be racist. I'm all for that. Make sure your grandparents aren't racist and it's never too late to teach them how not to be racist. However, something you can't put inside them is the experience of being in a culture and a society where you have black friends, you have brown friends, you've got friends of all colors, all nowadays genders and all these sexual orientations. And that's something you just, we in our society, our generation, we're just growing up with that and it's getting better and better each generation. They had to kind of like force those things into their head, but they haven't actually experienced those situations as much. So they're way more likely to blurt out something stupid because they don't even realize what they're saying is, is so dumb. And so how are we expecting them to change America in the, you know, Trump has caused, say, more white supremacists to be more outspoken lately because they're like, oh, this man will support us. Mm -hmm. And sure, that's like, that's not good. But at the same time, what do we expect like any old white guy to instill? They're going to just, it's going to bring up that type of environment either way. And I mean, there was still white supremacists when Obama was president. So I'm not saying that like the president has all the power in those situations. There's just bad people out there. Yeah. It's weird because you can argue many ways to say, okay, who the president is, yes, it matters, but it's not as much as right now we're making it out to be. But then you can also argue, well, he represents the U.S., he or she represents the U.S., and so how that guy or gal acts is going to, you know, it's like um, an example, right? He's supposed to be the leader, he's supposed to be who we look up to. So, I mean, there's no question, Trump is not exactly this, like, charismatic calming presence like i remember i was listening to the a recent joe rogan episode and he was saying the guy just he has this foolish way of speaking that even if he's kind of saying the truth like i, I watched a few um press briefings during covid stuff and although trump can be all over the place like every once in a while he, he just he just says the truth, quote unquote, and just says kind of what's happening. And it's like, no, I don't think this, whatever. And like, okay, in some situations, that's a good thing because you're just like, I don't want any bullshit. I just want to know what the fuck is going on. But then in this situation, it's a disaster because he's not the kind of guy who prepares this passionate, this compassionate speech to unite us and, and kneel with with the protesters. You know, he's doing, he's just doing, he's being typical Trump. And that's just not what you need in this time of crisis. Like most people don't like that and it's not helpful. So it's just tricky because Obama is someone who so well-spoken, so eloquent, like puts on this amazing show, I guess, if you want to be cynical, but then, you know, you can argue to the death that Obama didn't do that much, that he didn't accomplish that much, whatever. Like people try to argue that all the time. So the point is focusing on who the president Yeah. I just think that um, the position is just an outdated position. Presidents are stupid. The whole idea of it. You just need like, uh, (laughs) like, I I don't know. I'm just over the president thing. There should not be one person getting to run our country. And the issue really shows up here where we have Trump and that's now the face of America. Are you kidding me? Like, this is not a great face to have on America. And maybe it's the most American face we can have on America. But that's, like, yeah. if, we're, well, if we care so much about how he, like, represents us, then why on earth are we letting one person do that? That's right. not good. If we're, well, it's almost like, I think you, you can have, like, the one leader, but I think the problem is we put so much energy and focus on that one leader that 
that's what makes it tricky, right? And I think, especially with this movement, what people are realizing is a lot of this change is going to come at the local and state level. So that's why you have see people signing petitions for specific states or counties and like the ones that are, have the most problematic issues. So I think it's okay to have like that one leader who represents the nation and is kind of the, the one person who does it's more of like the symbolic position. Yes, they have a lot of powers, et cetera, but I think we put so much importance on it that it blinds us to real, it blinds us from seeing that the real change and the real issues comes at this local state level, right? Like right. Minnesota and, or yeah, Minnesota and, and California and all these places that might have more police brutality than others. You're going to, you're not going to fix that by switching the guy out in the office. You're just no. not. Um, yeah, just on a note about politicians in this, in this world we're in is another reason that we need to give uh, down with the president idea <laughs> is because we give him so much power over so many different decisions that he doesn't, or technically we give him power. I don't know how much power he really has. I mean, he's got all the people below him, but still he does have power to a certain extent. And to hear like right now, at least hearing Trump going on and talking about COVID or just politicians in general, either side, talking about COVID. It was really interesting at first to hear politicians or news anchors talk about uh, disease and the testing. And it's a very science based thing that I know doctors went to school for years learning about these things. And people are talking about cures and the tests and all these things so nonchalantly. And it was scaring me as a person that does the testing side of things. I'm like, oh my gosh, people are thinking that they understand this. And not that I'm better than everyone else, but this is just what I know. And I'm like, everyone needs to stop talking as if they know what they're talking about with these things. And so politicians do that. Now we have this issue where we have old white Trump talking about the experiences or supposed to be talking about the experiences of black people in America. Like it's the same reason he shouldn't be talking about COVID, you know, cures because he's not a scientist. He also like, but, but he can offer solutions and bring the people together to find solutions same idea with this. It's just that we need to have a guy that we can trust to put that group together so we don't have Greta Thunberg on our COVID committee. Like it's, I don't, I don't know. COVID committee? I don't know. That might be wrong, but I think so. <laughs> She's Jamie, on a COVID. Can you look that up, please? I need a fucking Jamie, for Christ's sake. I know. I know. But you put Greta Thunberg on some committee that was definitely not appropriate for her age and ranking. And I can only imagine what he would try to do with the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, committee. So I think that's something we need to have is someone that's good at delegating, delegating and that we can trust to delegate. And I don't think either president is going to be able to either option or candidate for president next year is going to be able to do that. Yeah. Which is scary. Yeah, I know it's, it's a weird time, dude. It's, I mean, I feel like every, at least the elections that I've been mentally present for which is only going to be like two now because we're so young but I mean, people are definitely treating this election like it's this is going to change everything we need to get trump out and once we do that we're good to go but that's just such a naive way of thinking that's not how it works but it's scary because so many people think that way and think that your solutions will magically appear i mean i'm obviously generalizing probably these people don't actually think that but that's how that's how people talk about it in on social media and within our bubble of what are what, what we're seeing the media talk about is like get this guy out that's going to solve the problem which sure i mean maybe having someone more 
eloquent and compassionate and just better overall at this whole public speaking thing and like addressing the public will help. But I think the point what I'm trying to get at is we need to focus more on what's happening below that, right? Who's, who are the judges in the certain states? Who, what laws does each state have, like, et cetera. And that I think people are starting to wake up and realize now, hopefully, is what's going on. It's not as simple as the, the person in the White House. No, I don't think it is. I think that they're overrated. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. Marisa, she wants basically anarchy is essentially what you are. It's an anarchist, no leader yeah. of the nation. <laughs> yeah. Joe Rogan for president. <laughs> yeah, right. Unless Joe Rogan's a president, that's the only one that we'll approve of. Only one I'll allow. Only yeah. one. The next president has to smoke weed. That's my rule. <laughs> Technically, Obama smoked weed oh. when he was younger. It's true. I'm sure Trump's done plenty of drugs, but yeah, he probably won't. But no, I'm saying like someone that's just like chill, open-minded, good speaker. Yeah, yeah Obama-esque in a, in a way. But the thing is, is like, Let's get someone that goes in saying what he wants to do and then actually does it. Like, there's that's the issue too. Like, right, yeah. just, that presidents don't have that much power. I mean, they do. They have like nuclear weapons and that's power. But it's like the president doesn't change the rest of the world. It's just it doesn't work that way. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah. I I feel like I mean Tulsi Gabbard. I feel like a lot of people really liked her because she was this very calming logical presence and just the way that she spoke about issues you could tell she thought it through and you can tell she's aware that both democrats and republicans do things wrong and and she ran as democrat but you can tell she's basically more middle in the way that she's thinking which is i think what most of us actually are we realize that extremes on both sides are not really good but it's just a pity because i don't think you're gonna be able to get i mean she couldn't get that far and I don't know why that is. I think it's po- I think it's probably because the dirty, corrupt political system that we have doesn't let actual smart, good people get to the top to be able to run for president, right? Like Obama is regarded as this amazing, like a saint, right? But to get to be president, you gotta be fucked up. You have to be. You have to like have be able to push aside your morals and your ethics to do some sneaky shit like anyone who works in government that high up at least knows that so yeah there's no way to leave that pedestal nicely like it's gonna be bloody (laughs) like there's there's always blood after presidency there's it's not a not a great position to be yeah um yeah we'll see but yeah i mean specifically with this ending police brutality movement um i have been really interested by the movement of defunding the police or at least reforming the police i definitely want to know what you think about that because i when i first saw some people posting about it and telling me about it my first reaction was that doesn't make sense like you need police right like you need someone to come when you're in need whatever like who are you going to call if something goes wrong but then i read into it more and it actually makes a lot of sense. And you look at how much money is being put in to the police in general. It's fucking insane. I think it was literally somewhere like over a billion dollars in police funding. And then the number of police per capita is just like excessive. But essentially the the way the plan is broken down is it focuses on redirecting those funds into programs, basically into resources for communities that need it. And the idea is if you give a community that is in need more resources, then they will have less crime, which I think that makes that makes sense. That checks out. 
but I still think you need some police. And I think it's like a fantasy that I think to think if you give everyone the resources that there'll be no crime. Cause that was literally an argument I saw on like an, on like one of those slides on Instagram. It was like, Oh, but what happens if someone robs a bank? And they were like, no one will need to rob a bank if you have the right resources. Like, okay, that's not true. Like, you're still going to have people who do fucked up shit. Like, that's just going to happen, whether it's because they're an idiot or a bad person. Like, it just, that's a fact of life. So you still need police. But I think the general idea actually could be beneficial. Yeah, my um, knee-jerk reaction to it was, that's a bad idea. Um, My thought was I didn't I I mean I haven't done any research into it but I was just like why would you not just put more money into training the police officers and adding like committees that can do more thorough checks on the police officers and providing maybe mental health experts to the police officers who are dealing with PTSD and trauma who might be high risk to like have a bad incident happen and put more money in to have people go through all the records of like the accounts where these police officers have a history of making bad decisions and being aggressive in all of these different situations. I figured those to set up those systems is going to cost more money. So I, my kind of, you know, knee jerk reaction was, Oh, let's put more money into it. However, I'm not a person that likes to put money as a bandaid problem. I'd rather, I think of it when I try to think about it, I want to say, okay, what's the systemic issue inside the police department? Like where are the, where is the funds, where are the funds going right now? And where, how can we reallocate them to something that matters more, which is making sure that our police officers are well-equipped to handle every, every single encounter that they end up having to deal with and that we won't lose any more lives because they had to make a rash decision or they didn't have the proper training or they just decided to be negligent. So I don't know, accountability. I feel like there still are, they still get those kinds of trainings and they have like a course to check your bias, like all that kind of stuff. And we still have all these problems. So I feel like it maybe is also not realistic to think basically because there's too many police that it's that training and stuff just doesn't do very much because it's such a variety of type of person that ends up being a police officer, right? Like people, you know, they keep saying like, you know, don't just say it's a bad apple. The point is why, if there are such good cops, then how can we still have these outcomes, right? Like if it's only a few bad cops, then we should only have a few bad situations. But that's just not the case, right? I think it's that this the system of the police department in general does not produce good results overall. Like it just makes things worse in a way. So I feel like that's kind of the argument for why you're not really going to solve it by trying to train them better, which I, I feel like that makes sense to me. And so this is an example that someone told me was there's a lot of cases where say someone, uh, I'm, I'm sure we've both heard of tons of these where basically someone, someone ends up in prison for doing something that instead of going to prison, they really just needed like mental health counseling or they needed help. So a lot of times with uh, drug users, there's people trying to um, create reform so that people who are arrested for like uh, like the opioid crisis and all that don't end up in jail. They end up more in like a rehab facility, which if you think about it, like most of those people probably aren't quote criminals, right? They're just, they're suffering. Something is wrong and they re- their life has gone to the point where they resorted to the use of drugs. And that kind of person 
needs, they need help and they need support. They don't need to be thrown in prison where like then their whole life is ruined because they have a criminal record. They can't get a job. And then they come out and they're homeless. Like that's what happens to thousands of people in the current system. So I think that's the argument for take money away from the whole police and prison system and redirect it to, you know, more rehabilitation centers or more community uh, groups in these inner cities or places that need help give them resources so that they have more education or if there's drug problems, like teach them a different way. And that will lower crime because people are getting help, right? I think crime a lot of times also just comes from desperation and a bad circumstance and that you somehow have been taught through like either lack of education or just bad education that what you need to do is steal. And that's easier than like getting a job or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can see why there would be a push to take it out of the prison systems and put it into more like rehabilitation facilities. I think that's super important. Um, I think that in terms of changing the police's attitudes, though, I I mean, defunding them, I just think it's case by case, if anything. I don't know. I think that I agree, though, that the point of like the training they already have probably like implicit bias training and i'm sure it's i don't know no offense to whoever does those trainings but when i was an ra i'd have to go to these different trainings and it didn't get anything out of you you just watch some powerpoints you're just miserable yeah. sitting watching like, like your week's worth of training powerpoints and you're just sitting there ignoring everything and you're not actually going to get anything out of it so in terms of training what are you supposed to do to get someone to not be a racist, I guess, is an example of it or whatever, or or just overly aggressive in any situation. Um, I think that's another issue is that like we're, we have police officers maybe with like anger management problems or, you know, just other issues, PTSD issues that they're just dealing with and they just don't have great reaction skills. And so maybe what I'm saying is like, figure out those problems, try to get the, for terms of officers with like a PTSD issue, like make sure they have the right resources and help so that they're not going to make a bad decision. And then in terms of those just bad cops, keeping tabs on what they're doing. And if they've made it through, but you're, you know, suddenly seeing some red flags, like keeping those cops accountable. And I think another thing I've heard lately is the issue about you're not going to report someone on your own team because it's like, that's your buddy, that's your partner. And so I can see how that's a definite issue. And so maybe yeah, the idea about having community-based kind of like leaders in certain communities would be good. I'm trying to think of a way, like kind of how when I was an RA, I was the first like person to hear about a problem. And then if the cops needed to get involved, I'd usually call the cops. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times I could just figure out the issue, you know, by myself. And then I would go to my boss if it had escalated. And then if it got really bad, it would go to the cops. And of course, there were certain situations that you just have to call the cops right away. There's someone passed out or something like and you need EMTs. But I feel like very rarely did you need to actually call the cops on behavior issues. If it was a behavior issue and I saw one of my residents was screaming and having a fit or something or just like a complete like destroying something I you talk to the person first you want to calm them down make sure they're okay sign them up with some counseling get them get them the help and then fix the wall that's broken then you figure out like rather than if I saw this happening if someone saw this happening on the streets you know it's call the cops put that person in jail fix the wall then maybe we'll decide if we want to help them figure out why they broke the wall in the first place I don't know it's kind of a bad example I mean, it's, no, that's a really good example. 
because it, your experience, it's, it's exactly because you have the RA, the residence assistant, it's basically the step between escalating the issue to where you have to have police in. So I think that's actually a good example of the kinds of things that people want to see is having a community where the, the it doesn't just go, something's wrong, call the police, because then that's how you get these horrible instances where, you know, someone was just, it's like, I think George Floyd's example was literally, he was trying to cash a check and it like was bad. Just, I don't know, whatever bounced or something, whatever it's called. And then somehow the police got involved. Whereas like, I don't really know what the tangible thing is that like, who do you have to, to fix that? But I think the point is by having, by relying less on the police to solve a problem, you're reducing the amount of police and civilian interactions that could go wrong. So it's like just having a community better set up overall with more resources. So it's just less often they have to call the police. I think that's something else I saw someone say this morning on Instagram was um, the, it was like the safest communities aren't the ones with the most cops. It's the ones with the most resources, which I think that makes sense. You know, think about the town that we grew up in a very small town with amazing school system just like just good resources is basically what it comes down to right and we had not a huge police presence everywhere and it was more just like a good safe little town because we had a lot of good resources you know so i think if you expand that and put better resources into these neighborhoods that have a lot of crime and need help then you get closer to having less police presence overall Right. And the less police presence, the less interactions and the less interactions the cops having each day that are bad, the more compassionate they're going to be in, in the individual situations, I think. Because I can see how if you've been on the job and you're, you know, if you have to stop a car and you don't know if that car is going to have a person in there with a gun and they're going to shoot you in the head, like that's a scary thing to have to live with every single day. And so to just minimize that feeling of anxiety is going to help anyone's clarity and like, you know, their decision-making in the future. If you just minimize the amount of interactions they have to have in the first place. Right. I think that, yeah, setting up more community resources and then also just having a sense of community in like a neighborhood and, you know, knowing your neighbors and getting out. And of course, during this coronavirus, it's like kind of the worst time to get out. But I think people started to realize you know, how important their neighbors were. And you see people getting out, going outside in their lawn chairs and sitting six feet apart from their neighbors, um, which is nice because I think that that's, that's a big deal about not having to call the cops is if you have a sense of community and you're, you're, you just, you know, your neighbors and you know, if something's going wrong with them and you can just immediately help them rather than, Oh, you know, my neighbor seems like they're acting up. You should go send the police over there. I don't know if you know it's like it's they're another human it makes it different yeah i think yeah that in particular i think will also come from right now this movement of having people check their biases like do some unlearning and realizing where you might have had you you might have learned some kind of racist thought or action that you would act on normally and might cause some kind of altercation that just was completely avoidable. So I think that's like at the individual level that I think will help a lot is people, it's basically just taking ownership of yourself as an individual and how you affect others. So it's like, 
you know, as someone with, I hate this term, but like checking your privilege, I, this term has just been overused, but whatever. It, may, it makes sense because I get what the point is, what they're trying to say. It's like, just, it, it means self-reflection. It means look at yourself and your actions and how you've acted in this situation. How do you view this kind of person? Do you have some kind of, you know, prejudice and weird bias that you learned from somewhere in your life? And how can you reflect on that and, and change it so that you are just a better contributing member to society, essentially. It's like have more compassion, have more understanding. I think that is really good that people are trying to hold each other accountable for that and have conversations like you're out with your friends and someone says something fucked up that's not just like a joke, they're being serious. And you're like, dude, that's not cool. Like that's really unacceptable, whatever. And like that kind of stuff, I think right now is a good outcome of all this, you know, amplifying on social media that people are just being held to, you need to, check yourself. And that's a good thing we should all be doing anyway, right? It's like, don't be so quick to, people are very stuck in their, what they view as the world. And you need to like slow down and recognize like, okay, I'm going to take in this piece of information and then this one, and I'm going to see like, am I doing something wrong here? It's like that kind of like pause and reflect activity that I think is going to be really good overall for people. Yeah. And I think another thing is with COVID, we saw this and now with this issue, I think you and I have kind of experienced where you just, it's hard to know what to believe in the moment and our mindsets change and we're open to the idea of keeping our brains flexible. And last week when we were talking, I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to tell anyone not to loot a store. I don't, I don't want to, I want to validate their emotions. I don't want to, um, I don't have the right to say, no, don't loot a store. And then this week I was like, if my parents store was looted, I would be so mad. And so I was like, okay, I have to kind of think of this from two different perspectives. And this is a, this is a tough top topic because I'm just kind of like skimming the surface on my thoughts on it. But I just, I just think that this is, these are all things that the reason that social media is a bad thing sometimes is we say something and, and it's, it's kind of like set in stone that that's your thought, that's your belief. And then in a week, you might change it. And people aren't really open to that. And I think that's something that we need to do better as a society is allowing people who don't understand what's going on and want to ask questions. This just happened with um, a athlete of some sort. I don't, I don't know who it was. It was a Drew Brees, maybe? I forget who it was. I don't know. I, I don't know who it was. But anyway, he asked like a really dumb question. I, it was something along. I don't remember the whole story. But he asked like a really dumb question. Um, and, and everyone got really mad at him and I was like, okay, let's take a step back. And I mean, I don't know what the question was, so maybe it was really dumb, but, and just let people ask the dumb questions right now and get them out of their systems because they've probably been thinking about this for so many years. Mm -hmm. And I, I think also an issue is that, um, I know like some of my black guy friends were like, okay, uh, now everyone's interested in my experience as a black man, as a black man in my life. Like, why is everyone suddenly bombarding me? Like, oh, I'm sorry that you're a black man and have had to deal with this type of oppression and all this. And he's like, where, where have the apologies been in the first 22 years of my life? And then also like, I'm not here to sit around on my weekend, educating all you white people about what it's like to be black. Mm-hmm. And I can see how that's really frustrating. I do think that just society in general, though, needs to be more open for people who don't understand what's going on to ask questions and question things and say, I don't get this. Why? Why is silence violence? Why? Like, what about the really nice people that just 
don't want to say anything. Like they're just in their bubble, in their world. They don't ever say anything about anything. Like what's the issue with that? And of course with silence is violence, I get it now. But a week ago I was saying, what's the issue? I don't see why everyone has to talk. And so I just think people um, asking questions. So someone could explain that to me and now I understand, oh, we want to amplify the message. Okay, good. But at first I was like, no, I'm not telling my, you know, quiet friends who barely speak as is that they need to do anything. Like I, first of all, what, who am I to make anyone do anything? And then on top of that, like they don't speak anyway. Like I can barely get them to tell me that it's their birthday that day. You think they're going to go out and rally for anything? Like, I don't know. I just think that we need to be open to people asking dumb questions and it will, that's like a way people can check their privilege is by figuring out where they land in this privileged world and all of that. And I, I just think people don't realize yeah, that like yeah. it's good questions, but it's yeah, scary. That's the thing is it's, of course we know why it could be problematic for said friend who's always quiet. And we're like, okay, well now might be the time that this is a good opportunity for you to try to speak up for something that is important, right? Like it's everybody's fight, that kind of thing. But I think the issue is, we end up you end up basically policing how people should be talking about the issue and that prohibits so much productivity in conversation right like if i've read countless instagram posts that are saying do's and don'ts of like this whole thing and i'm like okay yeah some of these make sense like some of them are obvious you know like don't you know it's not really good to deny someone's experience blah 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 it's not helpful but mostly it's like it's okay I think there's nothing wrong with say asking a question of something that you don't realize is a dumb question for now, but like you need to be able to say things and have conversations in order to be able to learn. Right. And so all these, if people are telling me and bombarding me and saying do's and don'ts, you can't say this thing because that's messed up and that's being racist, et cetera. It's like, okay, I, I see that. But also like, what if I genuinely want to have a conversation about it and my intention is good. So I think that's the, the other thing though is, Maybe we're assuming, I think you should assume people's intentions are good when they ask questions, or at least they're just trying to understand more. So it's like, if I want to ask, like you said, well, why is silence equal violence? Like that seems kind of extreme, but now we get it. I asked a question, we had a conversation, we can come to a new understanding. But the problem with, and this happens even just outside of this movement, but just like you know, monitoring how people need to say it, what you can and can't say. And like, you're basically only allowing people to be politically correct because it needs to like go with the movement, but you're, you're prohibiting all this discussion. And that's where the real change happens is conversations like this, where we fuck up and say stupid shit. And then we're like, now I get why that's messed up, you know, or like, and that's why people respond so well to a podcast like Joe Rogan's because he just, they're just saying shit that they're just trying to figure out what's going on. And they'll say something that's like, not exactly on point, but then you're like, okay, it's okay. He's not a fucking evil person because he said the wrong thing. Like we're not going to cancel him because he like said that there was a good cop out there. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that, um, the issue is especially, I think looking devil's advocate side of, of this silence is violence idea. The idea that you silence is violence but also the way you want me to talk is like this, these 10 bullet points that I'm allowed to say. And if I either ask a question or veer and say, oh, wait, I don't think that's right. Like, I don't think that makes any sense. You don't want to hear it. You told me, unfollow me if you don't 
you know, abide by my 10 rules and these things I believe. And it's like, okay, well then what's the point of even saying anything? If I'm either going to not like get to say what I really feel, or I'm only just, it's just preaching to the choir. Like what, what's the point? Why aren't we having productive discussions? And I think that's the other thing that's my issue with the whole, was the issue with the silence is balancing is like, okay, you want me to just like, what's that word? I wrote echo chamber. You want the echo chamber of your ideas. And so when you're saying silence is violence, you want me to say this, like one set of whatever. And I, I agree with that, whatever that is. It's just, I don't want to say it your way, or I want to figure out why I like my way of believing it. And I want to figure out what is productive versus what is just virtue signaling. And I think that was another issue I had was a lot of people were going on. And this is something my um, black guy friends were saying too. They were like, yeah, okay, now you're not a racist. Like, cool, now you're posting about Black Lives Matter because you're being peer pressured to on social media. And so I was like, yeah, I think- Keep going, I'm just gonna open the door. I was like, I think that's a really valid point that like, I know people get frustrated with the word virtue signaling, but it's, it's a thing. I mean, if, if you weren't already, if you're one of those people like I was saying before, if you're just like one of your, like the quiet friend in the group and you don't really ever say anything. And now people are getting so aggressive in these posts. I think silence is violence is true. I don't think silence is violence followed by a two page essay on Facebook is worth my time reading. I think that like you have to keep things like short and concise and get your message across and don't conflate it. Don't, don't make this issue out you. And I think I saw so many of my friends who are black being like annoyed by it. And I was like, okay, I can, I under, I was getting confused. You're getting annoyed. Why are we doing this? Like, what is this echo chamber of, of white liberals that just decide that this is how we're going to end racism? Yeah. And it's the same thing. COVID. Let's talk to the scientists. Let's talk to black people and their experiences and see what they think is a positive way to change the world. We're looking at right now, all of these protests in, um, we were just talking about how in our town, which is predominantly white and we're talking about Maine, which is really white, there's protests. That's amazing. It's really good that they're, they're supporting this cause and they're showing it. They're saying, Hey, you know, we, we have your back. We're in this together. But at the same time, I think it's, um, it's kind of like, okay, what are your experiences? Like, let's see, how are you going to elicit change? Like I support is good, but how are you going to change anything? And so I think it's important that we listen to these black voices and, and not just listen to what the, the liberal white girl said on Twitter to make us do it's, I don't know. No, of course. I I agree. I think, yeah, it's like, you can't, they make it really difficult for people to take part in the conversation. If you're saying, if you're silent, then you're part of the problem. But if you're going to speak, you have to do it only this way. And that's just like, that's not productive. And it's also, you're forcing people to perform and to virtue signal and only post because they want to make sure that their friends think that they're like on the right side. And it's just like, that's not productive. That's not how life works. And people are so quick to do that. And it's just, it's unproductive. I, re- I think though, people are moving in the direction of understanding that that is not good. And it's really weird because you like, you kind of watch on social media, this whole thing unfold where it starts out, people are like, you need to speak up, you need to speak up. But if you say it this way, then like you're canceled. And then a week later, someone's like, something else goes viral. It's like, guys, we need to not do that. (laughs) So it's like, we're like checking ourselves really slowly. And these things like go viral and people like check 
that are like, okay, that whole thing that we said was kind of fucked up. Like you need to be able to let people talk and you shouldn't just unfollow everyone. Like I was really impressed that I saw this Instagram account called feminist. It's a huge Instagram account. It's all just tip, whatever. It's all like social justice stuff because it's called feminist. That's what the Instagram account is. And I was impressed because they said like having, it was along the lines of, what is the point of your platform if the only people who follow you are people who already agree with you? And I was like, yeah, exactly. Like everyone was fucking doing that because we're all so like quick to react and like everything needs to be responded to right, right now. And people don't stop and think that like, okay, how should we have the conversation? We just probably shouldn't put limits on it and just let people talk and then we'll figure it out. Not like if you say this then you're canceled, like I hate that shit. Yeah, that was, that was my biggest argument that or point that I, I had with the silence of violence was it was the same people saying unfollow me if you don't agree with my ideas. And then the next post is silence is violence. And I'm like, so I, this part, like, okay, so this racist person that's in your following, right? You said, unfollow me if you're a racist. Okay. That racist person unfollows you. And then you're saying silence is violence. Here's how we can make a change. But you just told that racist to unfollow you. So why the heck are you like doing that? What's the point of your platform? What's the point of your voice? That is being silent as if you're in an echo chamber, just preaching to the choir crowd, whatever the phrase is, the same ideas that they already believe. And so it's, it's good because I haven't been on like Instagram or Twitter. So I haven't seen the other side of things where people are like, okay, we've calmed down. Let's have a discussion. And so I, I assume that, I mean, that's how it goes with everything. So I, I would assume that it would do that, but I just haven't been on social media to see that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely, I think there has definitely, there's been a lot of good that has come from this for sure. And I think we're going in that direction that slowly but surely people are waking up and recognizing a lot of the bullshit that comes with these you know, human rights, social justice movements, whatever you want to call them, that are hugely fueled by social media is recognizing just the bullshit of, you know, policing how people talk and like canceling people. People are just realizing, okay, guys, this is like not the way to go. We're just, you're just taking over the conversation and not making people feel like they can give input because they're afraid that you're going to unfollow them or that you're going to cancel them or whatever. And that stuff is important in the age that we live in. People are put a lot of importance on their online presence and how people view them, et cetera. So at least I think people are, are realizing that and are going to, with this election in general, hopefully be more open to conversations about things that aren't just like, yeah, everyone agrees with you. It's like letting people say, shit that you don't like, but stay calm and don't be so triggered and just like let the conversation flow and like don't just react so like irrationally that you're just going to do something like, like, okay, I'm done with you now because you said one bad thing. Right. And I think it scares a lot of people away. It definitely, whenever there's a movement and I see this crowd of really aggressive tweeters coming out, I get scared and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. I don't want to read any of your tweets. I don't want to read any of your posts. I, and even if it's a good cause, Australian fires, great. We want to send them all the water we can in the world to get out those fires, save all the pandas or whatever is in Australia. But um, there's pandas. That was not the right animal. Um, kangaroos. Um, but 
I don't want you yelling at me over social media. And this is why I, I think I love not having social media at this point is like going on there and having anyone yell at me. No, I'm not going to enjoy this. So I'm going to block you out, even if I believe what you're saying. And so I think that's what we need to learn is like, let's stop igniting the fire so aggressively at the beginning. And then it's like all these different people that are like, probably with this movement, we can relate it as like, okay, I agree. We need to do something about police reform. We need to do something about all of these deaths happening that just should not be happening. And it's like attributed to race and that's terrible. Like we need to end that. Okay. I'm on board. I disagree. I disagreed with the means of doing that at the beginning. If it was like over social media, I disagree that like it would do anything to, you know, standing in solidarity. Yes. I can understand that. Like that was the, that was the answer to the black screen thing. I think yeah. the point of that was Mostly like, black square. I, yeah, I, I was like, that's so stupid. I was like, that is so stupid. I'm so glad I'm not on Instagram. Like why, why are we doing this? And then, and then someone I know said that like a bunch of his black friends texted him and was like, why didn't you post square? Like, are you a racist? And I was like, Hey, so we have to post these squares. And I was like, thank God I'm not on Instagram because I don't want anyone assuming that I'm a racist because I didn't post a black square. That's insane. I I don't think anyone would actually ever text you and be like, uh, hello, you didn't post about this thing. What the fuck is wrong with you? That's insane that someone did that. Like that's and so I was like, I was that's not normal. That's not Yeah. Well, the Andrew Schultz podcast thing was really good to uh, what was it called do you remember what that was called that was, uh the ig blackout is a trick i think is what it was. yeah i would definitely recommend if you are in favor of the ig blackout listen to that podcast because he had a bunch of people of color talking about it and it was very much what i was thinking so i'm i mean i'm saying this is why i'm thinking this is like they he kind of put it into words for me of like this seems ridiculous like why not like okay go out there and and join the protest to do something for your community to contribute. Me posting a black square on my Instagram isn't going to do anything except for show solidarity. And so with that, I can see, okay, I'm, I'm standing on your side. I, I want, I want the same things you want. And I guess showing your black friends, that is important. Although I, my, I've shown my black friends this, that I love them and I didn't post any, I didn't yeah. post. Well, yeah, I just don't think it's also, if you want, if we're talking about how to effectively make change, like that actually just doesn't do anything. And it was worse. It clogged up all the feeds. And then people were saying people who are going to Instagram for news, like it literally just fucked up everything. And all you saw was black screens and the whole movement actually was, it was like taken backwards. So yeah, show solidarity. That's great. But you're also like actually not helping You're hurting. So that was the thing for me of like, I, I know why you did it and it's like a nice thing, but you also are actually hurting the movement and not doing anything productive. Like, okay. Like, also for awareness, everybody was fucking aware already. Like we did, yeah. like we needed more action items after that. You know, everyone knew what was going on. It was like, what do we do now? Not just post a black street. Like it fucking did nothing. So like, yes, that's nice of you, but also think critically about how to do something productively. And also because it, like, what if, what if you hadn't gone on Instagram that day and you didn't know about the IG blackout and you didn't post and now your black friends think you're a racist or your white friends think you're a racist? Like, 
what? That's insane. That's yeah, insane. That's, no, it should be your action. If you're maybe this person, they were already questioning if he was a racist, and they were like, "Oh, this is it. He didn't post the square." So maybe that was the case. But like, I would be, I would literally be like, I'd freak out if my friends texted me, "Oh, you didn't post a black square. I think you're a racist." I'd be like, "What? Like, that's yeah. insane. Like, you can't judge a, you can't judge social media on a person like that. Like, it's not hand in hand for a lot of people. For some people, it is, and that's the thing is like." You've got these celebrities out there and it, it, they've got this massive platform. It is their duty in a sense to, to show positive, you know, a positive image and also a supportive image for all of their followers. That, that makes sense. And, but to just be a normal person on social media without a big presence. And I mean, I get it. Like any presence is a presence, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I actually, maybe I don't get it. <laughs> I don't think I get that part. Cause I don't, I don't agree. So maybe I don't understand, yeah. but I don't think it- have like 300 followers on Instagram that you need to worry about your no, here yeah as long as you're not, like, I, I think on the opposite end yeah honestly I think we have to remember that a lot of times it's actually just a very loud minority kind of situation where most people are probably more reasonable than that that aren't going to associate you know you didn't post equals you're racist or you don't care I think most people can understand that. So I think it's just, it ends up being that the people who do associate those things wrongly are going to, for some reason, be louder about it. So I feel like that's what you have to remember is it's not actually a, like, yes, social media tells us a lot about what's going on and how people are thinking, but it is still just a fraction. Right. Well, you could see that because I feel like social media is more liberal and then we got Trump as president. (laughs) Like... Exactly. I, I mean, there is a lot of conservative media, but like, if I go onto my, if I go onto like most social media platforms, I would think that everyone's liberal. Maybe it's my generation. Maybe it's because I like follow people this age. Yeah, that's but- true. You have to remember, like, we right now because we're young and like we follow really just a bubble, right? It's people who you went to high school with and college with mostly. So it's going to be a bubble of people who have similar backgrounds and experiences as you. So it's like we don't really yet have that huge world understanding experience of what everybody else thinks. I have a question. So this was something I was thinking about because I live in a city and there's like two parts to this. So one part is I felt it's about me feeling guilty this week. So part one is that I, and I was trying to like check my privilege while I was in these situations and like trying to really think through using the week to like think through like how I perceive the world and people of color and all of these different situations. And so, um, crossing the street when you see a man is just something that I like live in a city and I have to walk to work and to the hospital. And it's like not necessarily a great area. And I was paying attention to what I was doing, like hyper paying attention. And Normally I have to like pay attention because it's a city anyway, but I was, I was crossing the street every time I saw someone and I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure it has nothing to do with the color of their skin. And I'm pretty sure it just has to do with me being scared of everyone and like worried that someone's going to attack me. And I was like, is this something that I do just to black people or just to, you know, people that look homeless or like poorer than me? Like, is this something I'm doing to like a certain group of people? And I was like, maybe the, wealth thing does have to do with, I have a lot of homeless people and like drug addict people around me. And so I definitely don't go on the same side of the street as them. But then I realized with like the race thing, it wasn't as big of an issue. 
to me yet. I don't know. I paid attention for like two days. I was like, am I doing this? But when you're actually scared, like, I feel like that's an issue that the cops are getting to argue right now is like, they were scared. And like, how do we work around this where we can talk about this, where like, I can be scared because it's a group of men and I'm walking at night alone as a 22 year old female. That's a scary thing. End of story. Like we were going to talk about feminism stuff. And that's like a huge part of it is like females are always going to be scared about men. And I don't know if we'll ever be able to change that because I think small men might be scared of big men too. Like it's just a physical, a physical thing. And then, but then I also had an, this is part two of the story. So there was this guy taking a shit outside my apartment at like two in the afternoon the other day. And I was walking to lunch with my friend. We were walking to my apartment and we, she would like, she's like, don't look. And so I look and there's a guy with his pants down, like actually going to the bathroom in the parking lot. Like I'd show you, but I don't want to show you where I live, but like outside here. And so it was crazy. I was like, this is disgusting, but we just let him do his thing. And then we went in for lunch and then we came back out an hour, an hour or so later. And he was clearly on drugs unwell, like not doing well at all. And so we were like, we need to call the police. Like this guy's next to the road, next to the T. He's going to get hit by a bus. Or he was like fumbling around, like throwing things. And like he had a bunch of bags with him and was just like being super sus. And so I was like, I, can I do this? Like this week, he's black. This guy was black. I was like, am I about to like get this guy murdered because he was because he's black. Like now I'm, now I'm thinking about it. And so it's kind of good because I'm like, okay, now I'm thinking about this. Like me just calling the cops and be like, there's a dude that just like took a shit outside my apartment. And now he's clearly on drugs and like, looks like he's going to either get himself hurt or like do something else dumb. And I was like, can I do that? Like I have had a good relationship with the police because partially because I'm white. And so I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to call the cops or not. And I got to work. And everyone was like, yeah, you call the cops. He just took a shit two in the afternoon, like in front of your apartment. Of course you do. And I was like, I'm just scared. Like, I don't want to get this guy killed now because now I hear about cops killing people because they're black. Yeah, what do you no, do? Dude, I, what do you do? Like, I, what's I, the I, answer? Yeah, I think that speaks to, it's basically where's the line between, I think as individuals, you should be perfectly entitled to like, we have literal instincts and like we can sense when things are off. Like that's a, a real thing. Like regardless of the color of the person's skin, if you're walking alone at night, like you just have feelings, right? And it's hard to know, are those, have those been learned? Like, have I been trained to be like that? Or is that just literally my body's biological response, right? So it's like hard. How do you, how does that not turn into acting on it in a way that gets someone in trouble or where there's a police altercation right so it's hard because yeah probably that but you should probably call the police because that's today how we address an issue and like if this guy's endangering himself and others by i don't know like whatever he stays near a train or something it seems like okay probably you're supposed to call the police because that guy needs help and it's not like you're really calling the police to be like oh, this guy is like threatening me. You're just like, okay, I don't know. That's just like the way you, you call 911. That's how our society is built right now. So it's like, it, I get what you're saying. It's hard, right? And I think that's the issue. I'm glad you brought it up because I think people should talk about it and recognize like 
of course, like you doing that, you're, it's good that you're checking yourself and asking, is this me being racist? Am I assuming that like, he's some kind of a troubling presence because of that? Or is it really just like, this is something that he needs help. And like, it's a bad situation that could go down. And like, so yeah, it's complicated. Basically, they really don't know what the answer is, right? Because what if you did call the police and then something happened and then you're like, well, shit, like I just wanted to help him out. And then it's like, then comes in the poor police system that we're trying to fix right now. So I don't really know what you're supposed to do in that situation. And like, it's tough because then you also, aside from that, especially speaking to like, as a woman, like you're walking home alone and like someone just seems sketchy to you. And maybe it's because you grew up and someone taught you somehow that a man at night is sketchy and specifically a black man walking near you is sketchy. Maybe you're taught that and that's actually racist and you shouldn't think like that. But I feel like maybe as long as you don't act in a way that like your instinct isn't to just call the police because someone's like trailing behind you. But I feel like you should also be entitled to your instincts of keeping yourself safe as long as you're not. I think the difference is like for you and me, if I'm walking home or even in my apartment building and I'm alone, like I just am very aware of my surroundings because I just want to make sure I'm safe. As long as I'm not acting on it and like I don't like randomly pepper spray someone when they literally did nothing. I think that's the difference is like you're allowed to have your human instincts of keeping yourself safe. And like, it's really hard to know if that is truly just your instinct or if you're like acting on something that you've been taught. And I really don't know. I feel like I just don't know. And I was thinking about that. I think it's important for people to recognize that because that's where the situation could arise where you see the homeless person on the street who's clearly like on drugs. I've seen it too. And and I know that you're not just saying like, oh, they look like they use drugs. No, like I've seen people in Boston in a park who are like seizuring and have like foam coming out of their mouth because of the opioid crisis. Like that's a real thing. Not you assuming that because the guy's black, he was on drugs. Like that's not what you're saying. No. It's like this person clearly needs fucking help. He just shot in the street. He clearly needs help. What what do we do? There was a bunch of, there's people everywhere. It was 2 p.m. lunchtime in a city outside a hospital next to a train stop and a bus stop. This is like a popping area at that time. And there was these construction worker guys that were sitting in their truck in the parking lot watching this happen. And I was looking at them like, why aren't you guys doing anything? Like, why is it up to me? And I'm, I like will admit I'm like a Karen when it comes to calling. I was telling this to my friend, like I'm a Karen when it comes to like helping people or like solving an issue. Like someone threw up outside the hospital and I like was like, okay, we need to get this cleaned up. And like, this is all in one week. And then like a different situation happened where this, a different homeless man was on drugs and was screaming at a wall. And he's a, he's a regular in my neighborhood. Like I know, I, I don't know his name, but I like call him Henry in my head, but he was not doing well. And usually he's like quiet and just like sits on this bench and asks for change and it's fine. He was screaming at a wall, like trying to fight the wall. His like hands were bleeding. And there was an officer doing uh, traffic, like traffic for construction. And I gave the officer the eyes, like, are you going to help him? Like good old Henry here, like is having some issues. Like someone needs to step in and help him. Mm-hmm. And so I, I felt like I was like, okay, like this, I, I should feel like I can just call the cops. But right now there's this distrust in cops. Like that's kind of what this elicited also was this, distrust in cops. And it's good that I now have the 
I don't, I wouldn't say like I distrust all cops, obviously, but I think the fact that now I think about it is maybe important and, you know, a result of what's been going on. Um, but I also recognize that what if I didn't like, I'm trying to go with my gut. I, my gut said, I need to call the cops. This guy's looks like he's going to get hurt or do something bad or I don't know. But what if he got hit by the train? Like, and I didn't call the cop. Like, what if I don't call the cops and he gets hit by a train? Yeah. I could have stopped that. I could have gotten him help. I could have called the officer. And that's why if we had people in the community that were, you know, if there was some resource, I could call a number and be like, oh, you know, this guy might be having like a drug reaction. Like, can you come help him? And rather than just like the cops coming over and being like, oh, he's on drugs. Let's put him in the back of the car and, you know, whatever they do. I don't know what they do. (laughs) But no, I I I think actually this brings the conversation almost full circle. And it's essentially, you know, maybe we need a system that instead of just calling the police and basically escalating it and possibly getting this guy in trouble with the law, even though he, this guy obviously needs help in the form of that's not just like, prison because that doesn't really help, right? I think we need a system where either the police have improved, where they're just a better system, or we need different resources that you would call, say, the community assistant who like comes and is like, and, and has EMT training, has these trainings for helping someone who might medically need, who has like a medical problem, like they're on drugs or something. You need someone to come in who can de-escalate the situation, help this person without the result being arrest him. And then possibly like a gun comes out and we have a really bad situation, Exactly, what, which yeah. is exactly what we're trying to get away from. So yeah. that's a perfect example of maybe we do need to defund the police and reallocate those resources and, and the money to creating places like in Boston, you call someone else when that happens and it's like a very normal thing. And you just, you're not the, the first thing isn't like someone who's going to, arrest you for breaking the law. It's like someone who's going to help you because you need help and you're not a criminal. You're just suffering, right? It's, you're not, you know what I mean? You're, you're not all there in the head and anyone yelling at you when you're sick or like on drugs, is it going to solve anything? I mean, if you're violent, then there's definitely an issue. And that's where we see with a lot of police brutalities, they're dealing with people all the time that are violent on drugs or violent and not on drugs. And so they have to deal with a lot of violence. And I think that's tough because what if you send that community, this is me playing devil's advocate, but what if you send that community leader and now this person's violent and they don't have the proper training to, you know, deescalate a violent situation. So yeah. I think that's also tough. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I know. It's complicated. It's like, I don't know that you'd fix it either. I, I do think you can have a lot of improvement from just getting more resources for people. And then the ideal situation, the ideal outcome is by having those resources, then you just have less occurrences of said person on the street who is endangering themselves and possibly others. But I don't think, but I don't think you're really going to be able to get rid of that, honestly, which sounds fucked up to say, but like, I don't know. I, I think, or at least it'd be a long time before you get to a point where you don't have, people in da- just in danger on the street in, in some way. Like, I don't know if you'd ever get rid of that. It's, I, don't, I don't think it is. I think it's like one of those things, like we've had alcoholism forever. You're going to have wars forever. It's, it's just, there's going to be dangerous situations. I don't think there's going to be ever a time. And if it is, I don't even know if I want to live in it because it's like a bubble world yeah. where, you know, everything is safe. It's all a safe space. 
Yeah, dude. Ugh. It's crazy. I don't know. I'm 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 really uh I'm curious to see what's gonna happen. I'm, I think it's good. We are making some positive strides for reform and all that. So I think that's good, but we're living in a simulation, that's for sure. <laughs> it's a simulation for yeah. sure. Okay, yeah. well anyway, it's been like two hours. That was insane. But um that was great. Thanks for coming on the show and for yeah. having a good combo with me. It was fun. We'll do it again. I know. Well, in a week, we'll have changed our mind and think of like an entirely different, have an entirely different view on it. So yeah. we're going to be like, I completely disagree with what I said before, but that's good. I think people should do that. It's yeah. Like, I was tell. I feel like I tell this all the time. I'll record a podcast solo one and I'll like have written out what I wanted to say and like all my thoughts. And then that night I'm like, you know what? I completely disagree with that now. I don't like yeah. that anymore. It's fine. It's like, okay, it's okay. Said. Whatever. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully that holds up. But anyway, be safe. Uh, keep telling me what's going on on social media so I don't have to go back on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. That's a wrap, you guys. Hope you enjoyed. Quick parting note. I would love to do some kind of Q&A thing with you guys. If you email or uh, DM me at the podcast Instagram, which will all be linked in the description. Any either like a question about what I think about something or just literally any fucking question. Honestly, I'm open to whatever. I think it'd be fun to try out just a good old Q&A sesh. I'll shout you out in the podcast. Or let me know if you want to be shouted out or not, but that could be fun. I'll shout you out, shout you out. And yeah, it could be a great fun little thing to do. So submit some cues and I'll give you some A's and it'll be fun. So yeah, Um, I'll catch you guys later. Stay safe out there. Keep washing your hands. Keep eating healthy. Keep your head up. It's all going to be okay. Well, um, this was fun. I will chat with you guys later. Bye-bye.